Episode 61, David Decker. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, if you remember, we did two episodes back-to-back with talent thought leader Kathleen quinn Vota a while back, and she shared this stat. There's 6.9 million open jobs and only 6.2 million available to fill them. It's a big problem. I was just in an executive roundtable discussion this morning, and 100% of the leaders mentioned struggling with this topic. I like that it's forcing us to innovate, and that's exactly why our guest is on the show today. He's innovated, and it's a really big deal. You and I are both in the Indianapolis community, and I literally, 30 minutes before recording this podcast, got an email from the Indianapolis Chamber saying, this was the headline, more than 85,000 Indiana jobs will go unfulfilled due to lack of skilled workers. Dang. And it just gave me uh, clarity on how important this topic is today and what we're going to talk about. It's exactly what we're on the show to talk about and to really uh, shed some light on a new initiative that you're bringing to the Indianapolis community and we'll hopefully see roll out across the United States. So, David, you're in the construction space. And as the CEO of ACO, you know, you've been living this skilled trades talent shortage for a while and really working on it. Can you share your perspective of the problem? Yeah, we are an interior design and build company and we help people love where they live. And um, oftentimes um, we're in people's homes, uh, could be remodeling a kitchen, replacing floors, updating different components. And um, we've seen um, a real challenge finding uh, workers uh, that could go, go into these people's homes and actually perform the work. And so it's been um, a, a challenge for the last few years and it continues to get worse. I know you shared a stat there. One from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics says that we're trying to fill, uh, as an industry, 225,000 jobs per month. And the biggest thing that scares me is that 40, or I'm sorry, 39% of the skilled trades are over the age of 45. Average age of retirement is 55. And so the, B- the BLS is predicting an additional 200,000 openings per year through 2026. And so it's going to continue to get worse. And what that does is it slows jobs down and it drives costs up. Yeah. And so, you know, like if we don't get ahead of this problem, like what are you seeing the future looking like? Well, it's just going to continue to get worse. And so, I mean, it's really just a supply demand uh, equation. And so when the supply goes down, or I'm sorry, yeah, when the supply goes down and demand's up, the cost is going to go up as well. And so um, you can see, um, I've heard stories of crews being pulled off of jobs. Uh, like let's say a competitor came in and offered them a higher bid mid construction while they're working on a project. And Crews uh, have been jumping from job site to job site because the the money's there, and so it um, it really causes a problem for the industry. Um, as I said, you know, it's, it really slows jobs down and adds a lot of costs, uh, which ultimately get pushed to the homeowner. And so, um, housing costs of material materials are already rising, and now we're seeing labor take off too. So it just kind of sets us up for to be in a bad position long term. Yeah. And as you know, on this show with Gut Plus Science, you know, we're talking to leaders across the nation and I can, you know, pretty much give out this stat. 90% of those that I talk to are struggling with this issue. So this episode is just really crucial. Let's start with the mindset shift. So where are you right now with like old school mindset on, um, you know, maybe how a lot of leaders are thinking about this and like the way that we need to start thinking 
to shift the problem? What comes to mind? There's a lot of full mindsets, but um, the days uh, of the past where you would uh, get a get a resume online and uh, vet the resume for a couple weeks and then give the candidate a call um, and bring them in on multiple interviews and ultimately make an offer uh, for them to work for you are <laughs> well out the window. And so it's so competitive out there that uh, we have to be much faster, much more efficient when we're going through that interviewing process. And so oftentimes we will uh, bring people in. Well, initially, we'll first talk to them on the phone and uh, find out if they are qualified or not before we actually schedule them in for a meeting. And when we do that meeting, we try to have everyone from our team that we would normally have interviewed them be there at that meeting so that we can make a quick uh, quick decision uh, because we've had situations where we'd like to candidate and we said, we'll get back to you in a couple of days and they take another job. And so it's just so cutthroat that you have to be operate a little differently than you, you have in the past in the interviewing process. Yeah. And, and kind of talk about, you know, the educational path that we kind of always thought was the way to skill up as individuals. And really, in order to get ahead of this problem, I know you're thinking differently about the educational path to drive uh, more people into the talent pool. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And that's so maybe we ought to back up and talk to more of the, um, you know, where, how do we find people, first of all? And so um, how do we attract people to the industry? And um, what we've done over the years, uh, specifically in our industry, is we just haven't done a good job of showing people um, and creating awareness of the opportunities that are in the industry. Uh, because there's so many great avenues that somebody can come in and make a great living and have a great life. And we just don't do a good job showing those. And so first, we have to uh, attract that talent. And that goes back uh, really to not uh, only the industry, but the educational system. So the days of hands-on things like shop class and home ec um, have disappeared from a lot of schools. And so uh, kids don't have those opportunities to experience that. And so they don't have any idea about the industry nor really any tendency to explore it because it's, they're just not exposed to it. So uh, we really have to start there in the school system and get in front of these kids and give them opportunities early on. And I think that's also where that educational piece comes in is that it's really um, hands-on education. It's real life. It's experiential. Uh, it's project-based, uh, service-based, work-based. So we're doing things that they can uh, learn by applying. So if you're learning geometry in the classroom, you might be saying, well, how am I ever going to use this? Well, if we can show them how they're going to use it, then it, the learning just becomes a lot more natural. And I know you've created this new, I like to call it blue ocean way to drive the talent pipeline of construction and design. It's pretty darn exciting. It's starting in Indianapolis as we're speaking here. So tell us about that a little bit. Uh, it's called the Hub and Spoke, and it's a very unique uh, master plan mixed use development. It's a partnership with uh, the city of Fishers, Hamill Southeastern School District, and private industry. And so in this uh, building, we're going to, we call it an ecosystem that consists of a design center a co-working space and a maker space. And uh, the maker space is really a community workshop, an innovation lab, an art studio in one. And that's actually a nonprofit and that's called the Hub and Spoke Institute. And we're going to teach STEAM-based curriculums. And so STEAM uh, stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Very cool. And talk a little bit about what you had said, you know, a big piece of this is awareness, like helping um, people understand this career path and be able to see a future that looks attractive to them. And you talked about going into the schools, like what does that look like? Break it down for us on like what grades are you starting with? How are you presenting, you know, opportunities like this to them? 
And so there's, um, we're still in development on the programming, uh, but essentially we're going to have um, teachers and residents at our facility and uh, kids from the Hamill Southeastern program or school district will come into our facility uh, on a daily basis to uh, learn through hands-on experiential learning. And so uh, we know there's a stigma around the industry. Um, there has been, uh, as long as I can remember when I was in high school, we had a vocational school and uh, there was definitely a negative stigma around that. And, and we are not a, voc- a vocational school or career center. If you, I mean, if you had to describe us, I'd say like a modern day career center. And so we're not saying uh, don't go to college. Uh, we recognize that college isn't for everybody and we need to provide alternative paths. So uh, we're going to do whatever's right by the kid. And so if the kid's better off going to college, then that's the pathway that we send them on. If they're better going directly to the workforce, uh, we have that covered too with private industry partners. And then if they want to be an entrepreneur, we're going to help them uh, mentor them through that as well. So uh, we're doing things um, in, in a much different way than we've seen in the past. And so this is, uh, as far as we know, uh, an initiative that hasn't um, been done from a perspective of including um, a partnership with government, public school, local industry, and uh, on the horizon, um, a college institution as well. You know, so I've been hearing, you know, for a while, I've been talking about the five generations in the workplace, and now we're hitting six, six generations in the workplace. So whether it's five or six, that's a lot of different generations, you know, people thinking differently about how we work. I'm curious to know in the construction industry specifically, how you see generational, especially the younger generation, which you're recruiting through the hub and spoke model, and we're all trying to get ahead and, and recruit younger talent into the construction, you know, trades, design industry, let alone any other. What are some of the greatest challenges that you see in having multiple generations in the workplace? Uh, I mean, there's obviously challenges uh, anytime that you have differences, but I think that We've been able to identify uh, commonality between a lot of them, and um, it seems to grow um, the younger the kids get. And so it's really finding, helping them find purpose. And so uh, if they can get behind a cause, they really get into it and they want to contribute and they just have a much greater passion for it. And so I think even the other generations have the, the same thing, but I think it's more so present in uh, younger generations. And so we've come up with an, an idea called Entree Maker. And it's essentially um, combining entrepreneurial skills uh, with maker skills. And so instead of um, saying, hey, just uh, learn to be a plumber, um, it's, hey, learn to be a plumber, learn to own a business, think like an entrepreneur, own the business, and then hopefully buy an, buy an island and retire by 28. Because that's a real possibility as a plumber and owning the business. So there's just, um, we have to show uh, opportunities for one. Uh, we have to present success stories. And so uh, we have to show people that have uh, come up through the ranks and are successful uh, that these kids can identify with and then help them find a cause that they can get excited about and help them find a solution for that cause as an entrepreneur. So for the construction industry, design industry, trade industry uh, leaders that are listening to this show, what's the most important advice that you would give them as leaders in understanding how to better recruit and retain the younger talent that could be coming to their organizations? So I think that's just a really tough question. And so um, that's that's the essence of our project, really, is that we it, it was really hard to find a single solution. And so because you you want to appeal to those kids, um, they don't really necessarily know the opportunity. Um, and then if, if they are excited about the industry, then you have to talk to mom and dad and say, hey, this is an alternative to college or it will go to college in our case. Uh, but it, there, it's a challenge for sure. And so 
Um, not only do you have to get a kid excited about it, you have to get mom and dad excited about it. Um, and that's all easier to do when you have the community behind it too. So um, in our projects, and that's why we went to the scale that we have is that we're bringing the community in to help reinforce that messaging too, and then show success stories of people. Uh, for instance, I went to college, I didn't graduate. Um, I was lucky enough to be successful. And so I'm able to uh, talk to kids in that way and say, um, yeah, you're going to have to work hard uh, for sure, but uh, anything's obtainable. So I, I think that that's um, the key to making workforce development work is uh, finding, whether it's construction or any industry, is is figuring out how you appeal to kids to get them excited about your industry. And so things like tech are pretty easy because it's fun. It's cool. Uh, there's a lot of neat stuff happening there. And, and so in, in our uh, experience, we're really trying to um, tie in technology. Um, and obviously I said steam earlier. And so we're tying in arts. Um, and we believe that if we, if we bring people from arts, um, technology, design and construction, uh, we're going to see some crazy innovation. And there's, you know, with those different domains, almost anything can be built. And so it won't always feel like construction. And so I typically refer to it as a maker because a, a maker is anyone that makes something. And that, that opens the door to a lot more opportunities as well. And so I think we have to have a, a pretty wide net. We have to be um, helpful to people to show them the opportunities and create the awareness. Uh, we have to have success stories. If, if I was going to give one piece of advice, and that was the question that you asked, I guess it would be um, to work together as an in industry and collaborate uh, to make a difference. Because what I saw before we started this project was uh, several different organizations and individuals all trying to do their own thing. And it's just not going to work that way. We need everyone to come together, collaborate, and if, if we're going to make a difference. And so that, that would be my piece of advice is get together uh, in your communities uh, with other business leaders and brainstorm how you can actually make a difference together instead of by yourself because you're not going to solve it by yourself. That's really good. And I know you're living that out with the Hub and Spoke project right now. Talk a little bit more about the importance of community involvement in relation to changing the trajectory of the talent shortage. Like, can you give some examples of ideal community partners coming together or illustrate some collaboration that you're seeing as you're launching Hub and Spoke? So, yeah, um, we've got, um, I mean, from the school systems to I mean, it's just a, it's just such a crazy project and it's awesome because, I mean, we've got the support of our government. Uh, we've got uh, a school district with 21,000 students and, uh, I mean, they're world class. And so they get it. They, they, they're the first to say that college isn't for everybody. And I do want to emphasize, we're not saying don't go to college. College is a great option. It's just not the only option. And so, um, there are careers in our industry that require college degrees and there's some that don't. So we just want to do whatever's right by the kid, get them in the right pathway. I mean, without those partners, there's no way any of this would have happened. And so um, we've had partnerships with them, a partnership with our uh, developer on point. You know, most developers wouldn't take this project on. Um, and the owner, Travis Tucker, is a friend of mine and uh, co-founder of this project as well. So he's been really instrumental. We've got um, a, a partner in Meyer Najum that's uh, building the project uh, that's been instrumental. And so They've opened a lot of doors for us. And so it's, it's really neat to see the passion behind workforce development and people really want to see you succeed um, much more than they do on just a normal business. Um, it's just it's really cool to see. I mean, at our groundbreaking, we had probably almost 300 people came out. And just to see that kind of support is just amazing uh, because it opens so many doors. And I, I just it's just limitless with uh, where we can go with the community support. Uh, but I'm also getting... Parents have reached out saying, um, 
can't wait for this to be open. I would love to send my, my kid over to you to get some experience to see what they like and don't like. So it's, it's really well-rounded and it's just been so well-received without the community. Uh, it, it just wouldn't be possible. I love seeing how big problems like this, the talent shortage, drive innovation. It's like a must. And then collaboration is a must. And thank you for illustrating it on the show today. So we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today and come right back with what we call our lightning round, where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about you, David. We'll be right back. Purple Inc.'s customized HR services will help you make your workspace joy-powered. Whether you're looking for help with recruiting, compliance, or leadership training, they listen to what you need and tailor their solutions to you. Check out purpleinkllc.com. That's purpleinkllc.com to find out how they can help your business. And look for the Joy-Powered Workspace podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, how often do we hear people on this show talk about the power of collaborating, building partnerships and relationships? Well, I've got an offer for you. So Engage Mentoring is an executive talent roundtable forum nationally that brings leaders together of all levels to learn on hot talent topics and to solve problems together. I'd love to invite you to an experience absolutely complimentary. You can email me at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I at EngageMentoring.com. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with what we call our lightning round, where we get a chance to learn just a little bit more about the personal side of our great guests on the show. So, David, a couple of questions for you. Uh, first up, we're all of us on this show are big readers for the most part. We'd love to know your favorite book or one that you're reading right now. So, I'd say uh, most recently, uh, Story Brand is a really good book. That is a great book. And yeah, have you read that one? Yes, really great book. I'm trying to live out some of that in my life right now. So. No, that's perfect. And, and it's, it's so amazing how everything comes back to story. So uh, I'd say that's a good one. And I think that for me, like different times in my life, books have meant different things. And so when I was kind of at a crossroads trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I still am, but you know, 14, 15 years ago, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was an instrumental book for me. And I don't know that it would mean the same thing today if I read it, but it opened the doors to a lot of opportunities for me too. So that was a good one too. Yeah. Good foundational book there. Um, how about a favorite vacation spot? So vacation, um, I work a lot, so it's hard to go on vacation, but um, any place warm. So I've enjoyed uh, Mexico several times. Uh, I enjoy beaches and, and water. So any place that's warm is fine with me. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? That's a good question. And so you will find me either on the golf course or out on the lake. Okay, cool. And David, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? So you can definitely find me at hubandspoke.works or LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram are also great ways to find me too. David, thanks again, guys. Innovation and taking action on new ideas is so important. If anyone is going to do it, it's you, leaders. Here's my truth you can act on today. We've got to partner up with K through 12 and attack this problem together. It's a must to start educating on career options way earlier and to keep in mind the many different ways to skill up aside from the traditional college path. Number two, David shared the team of people coming around him to make Hub and Spoke a reality. So my question is, who's your team? Have a group of people that you mastermind with, innovate with, and support each other to overcome problems. If you need ideas on how to find groups like this, hit me up. I've got some options across the country. And number three, you and your business need to be involved in your community. Everything works better, much better with community participation, everything. 
we just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.